as we kick off this brand new series called Renovate this morning, that we're going to be doing something a little different over the next few weeks of April and uh, incorporating some video element into our, into our teaching. And also we're going to be, uh, for the next three Sundays, so next week and the two Sundays after, we'll be broadcasting live from the main campus each Sunday. So you're going to hear the, the main campus communicators on Sunday mornings here, but also Pastor Rick is working on some video elements, and so he's going to be uh, teaching out some of the video, uh, some of the message, uh, about, you know, I don't know, 25% of the message. He'll be teaching out on video, a little bit more creative. We've got some supporting actors that are going to be involved. Uh, so we're going to see how this goes. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, we want to just uh, make sure that you're aware of that. Um, you're going to get to see all of that stuff coming in, and we're starting this Renovate series this morning. So let's just jump right in to our new series and uh, take out your Bibles if you don't have a Bible with you. I know that one of our ushers would love to help you with that. If anybody needs to borrow a Bible, just slip your hand up nice and high, and uh, someone will look after you there. We're just kind of scanning. I guess you're all okay. Um, and we're going to uh, have you take your sermon notes out as well. I don't know if you use the paper ones. How many of you are still old school and use paper? Well, we got quite a few. All right. Uh, if you use the Portico app, of course, you can, you can download the app. And uh, if you don't know where to get the app, here's where the paper comes in. If you look at the sermon notes at the top, there are QR codes for either the Apple iTunes uh, app store or Google Play. You can scan the QR code and it will take you right to where you can download the app this morning. Isn't that great? We're here to help, folks. We're, we're trying to, to give you all the tools that you need, and so we want to encourage you to take advantage of that. We're going to begin this morning in Second Peter, so you can turn there now if you wish. Take out uh, all of that stuff I just talked about. Why a series called Renovate, you may ask? Well, I'm glad you asked. I really am. How many of you have ever been involved in doing a renovation in your home or had to live through a renovation in your office or workplace? How many? Yeah, probably most of us in the room. So if you have, you understand the concept. From time to time, as buildings age, they get tired and they get worn out looking, or styles change and things can look out of date with, with current trends. Sometimes you just, get, you just get tired of the same thing and you, you want to change. You need a change. You want to spruce things up, give your home or your office a fresh new look and create a more pleasing and kind of more productive environment. So renovation is necessary from time to time. We did a huge renovation at the main campus when I first came about 10 years ago. And the building was old and it was tired. And I'm sorry, but it was ugly. And uh, it just needed some, some real help. And so uh, I was able to, you know, with a great team of people, we renovated our building and added on at the same time. It was a huge job. And, and it was a lot of fun. But I can tell you, as somebody who's been involved in that kind of thing, that when you get into renovating, you never quite know what you might encounter. And so uh, that was always a part of it. And so uh, it's sometimes hard to budget because sometimes when you make changes, you uncover other issues that need to be resolved. Plus, there's also the situation where once you have, you know, part of your home torn apart or your building torn apart and you're doing one thing, there's always another project that you think should be taken care of while you're in the middle of the mess already, right? Have you ever been there? It's like this never-ending thing. Kind of like when you take your car to the shop and they tell you, you know, that really while we've got the motor apart to fix this leaky valve, we probably should, you know, 
replace the water pump and the timing belt because the labor will already be partially done for those jobs, right? Have you ever heard that story? And the great thing is it will only cost you an extra thousand bucks, right? So that's always awesome when you're in the middle. Our, our son's father-in-law is a, is a contractor, and he specializes in home renovation. And the name of his business is Might As Well Construction. Anybody know where that comes from? Yeah, he would go to price a job and, and they'd say, you know, here's what we'd like to do over here. We'd like to, you know, move this wall and maybe and like to, you know, do the kitchen there. And he would stand there and, you know, stroke his chin and he'd say, well, you know, when, when you've got that all torn apart, you, you might as well do this over here. And it was his sort of go-to phrase and it finally stuck one day. Somebody said to him, hey, you should call your business that. So it's called might as well construction. I thought that was pretty good. So spring. Spring is a great season to talk about renovating. When the dead of winter is done and everything is new and fresh and coming back to life, well, uh, maybe. We did have some snow yesterday. I think we're supposed to get some more today. But we're all hopeful, right? So it's a good time to talk about this. We spring clean our homes, and sometimes in spring we start that new big renovation project. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it looks like to renovate our lives. What does it look like to do an internal renovation project in the areas of our, of our relationships, our finances, and our, and our work or our careers? And in Philippians 2, Paul instructs the church there in his absence. He says, while I'm gone, here's what I need you to do. You work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Paul says there that as God works in us to fulfill his purpose there is also some work that we have to do as well. And so we're going to look at that together. I want to take you to 2 Peter, though, if you have it open, 2 Peter chapter uh, 1, and we're going to read verses 5 through 8. And here's what Peter writes here. He says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to your goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our lord jesus christ great great words when it when it comes to renovating our homes we have an idea sometimes, you know, what to do. We think about where to begin. But, but what about when it comes to renovating our, our lives? Peter writes here, and he essentially says to the church, he says, don't get comfortable with your faith. Always look for ways to add. Always look for ways to improve. Add goodness. Add knowledge. Add self-control and, and so on. And he says, if we will do this, if we will possess these kinds of qualities more and more, it's going to keep us from being two things, ineffective and unproductive. Nobody wants to be ineffective and unproductive, right? And so we want to talk a little bit about that. We, we know this about houses and other buildings. We know that anything like that that is left to itself uh, and, and is done, nothing is done to it, it has a tendency to fall into disrepair and decay. And we don't want that. And so we, we try to, you know, stay on top of those things. We try to keep them up to date and fresh and clean. And we fix the things that get broken and so on. In the same way today, we need to constantly be working on every area of our, of our lives and our faith journey so that, as Peter says, 
we can avoid becoming ineffective and unproductive. So, in light of that today, I want to just talk about four fundamental principles for everything that that we do in life. And from this basis today, we're going to be building on these ideas and looking at some very specific areas of, of relationships and finance and work over the next few weeks. So, so let's first look at these four fundamental principles this morning. And the first one is this, begin with the right blueprint. Begin with the right blueprint. You always have to have a plan. You know, uh, whether it's uh, something that's scrawled out on a napkin at a coffee shop, Uh, that you're trying to explain to your contractor your vision for something, or whether it's actual architect's drawings, we've got to have a plan. Think about some of the construction projects in Scripture. I I went through just a few of them today. God gave a plan for uh, the building of the ark. Remember, he comes to Noah in Genesis 6 and verse 15. He says, Noah, I want you to build an ark. And Noah probably said, what's an ark, right? No idea. But God gave very specific instructions. He, he gave dimensions of height and width and length and where to put the doors and how many levels of decks there would be. Go back and read the story. And, and it was a great construction project that Noah saw through to the end. Uh, God gave a plan for the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness to the children of Israel and to Moses. And in Exodus 26 and 30, you can read about that. Most of chapter 26 details all of those sizes and dimensions and the very specific plans for the, not just the, the tabernacle, but verse 30, uh, but also for, for the uh, furnishings and the draperies and all kinds of things that would go into the tabernacle. Verse 30 says, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown to you on the mountain. God had a plan. God gave very specific plans for the building of the temple in the very same way that he did with the tabernacle. And he gave them to David who passed them on to his son Solomon in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 12. So God always had a plan. And he has a plan and has had a plan from the very beginning. So when we think about renovating our lives, we need to think about that from this perspective of of God's plan for us. The blueprint, of course, that he has given to us is what? What's the blueprint? Anybody? It's his word. It's the Bible. Yeah, absolutely. That's the blueprint. And so we, we, that's why we look into his word together every Sunday. That's why we, we encourage you to read it every day on your own, because through God's word, we find the, the blueprint, his plan for our lives. And so we need to begin there. It's a verse that we reference often, but it's a great, great verse. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 one of, my, one of my favorite life verses, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. We need to find out, figure out what God's plan is. When we read those words that, that God has a plan for us and that it's a good plan and that he wants to give us a good future, then tackling this idea of an internal renovation is maybe not quite so intimidating or scary. It's, a, it's kind of a comfort to know that God has good plans for us, right? I, I feel better knowing God has good plans for me. Psalm 40 and verse 5, uh, the psalmist writes, Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. So we know. We know that we can find indicators of God's blueprint for us in His Word. So we want to start there. Because I think we all realize that starting a renovation project without a plan, without a a blueprint, is a bad idea. 
You ever watched any of those shows on reality television? You know, the worst, worst uh, carpenters, or what's it called? Yeah, the worst handyman. And see the, the, the trouble they get into when they're trying to pull those projects off? It's messy. It's really messy. So we know we need a plan. We need to consider all the eventualities, that we, what we might po- possibly come up against in the process. Uh, when, when you're building something, it's not only a good idea, it's necessary. If you're going to see a project from start to finish, you need a blueprint, a plan, because from your plan, you can project costs, you can project possible challenges, you can determine those projections, what you will need to bring the plan to completion. Luke says, uh, when he writes in verse, or chapter 14 and verse 28, don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? That's what a plan can help us with. And so when we think about renovating our lives, we think about sort of doing that internal renovation, the use of God's blueprint uh, is important because His Word is filled with all kinds of examples of people who tried and who succeeded and sometimes failed, examples of, of the challenges that many of them faced and that we will also face. And so we can learn from their mistakes and from their successes what not to do and what to do in our own lives. And we can actually project, right? How many of you know that if you read God's Word and you read the stories of what happened to people uh, in, in history, the history of, you know, the, the church, you can sort of get a clue as to some of the stuff that you might have to deal with in your life, right? Anybody who says that when you come to faith, it's all going to be rosy and nice and happy and everything's going to be great, just go back and read the Bible. Not true. And so we, we can even project some of the challenges that we might face. And knowing the plan now helps us, to be, helps us to be ready. God's words to us are in the Bible. How we should live, how we should love and interact with people, how we can connect with God, it's all in there. He knows better than we do what we need in our lives and where we need to make adjustments, where we need to make improvements, where we need to make changes. And so we should begin with the right blueprint Second, we need to build on the right foundation. Got to build on the right foundation. If you, if you want to build a good, solid house or building, here's what you need to know. It doesn't matter how straight the walls are framed or how level the floors are built or even how strong the roof trusses are if you don't have a strong foundation. The same is true for our lives. And so, you know, we, we ask that introspective question. What am I building on? What am I, what am I really building my life on? Jesus made a great comparison in Matthew 7 uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is these, these two or three chapters of just amazing instruction that Jesus downloaded to his disciples and to the people who were there. And so after he shares all of this incredible wisdom, how to live and how to interact with others, Jesus said, he said, anyone who hears these words of mine and who puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. It was like a man who built his house on a rock. And he continued and he said, uh, Matthew seven twenty five. the rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. It's a great, great picture, isn't it? But then he went on to share the opposite scenario. He said, you know what? People who don't listen to these words, people who don't put these words into practice, they're like a different guy who a foolish man who built his house on sand. And I think you know where this is going, don't you? 
because the rains, the same rains came. The rains came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And the Bible says, Jesus said, it fell with a great crash. That's why foundations are so critical. I, I looked up a, a news story. There was a story on CTV this past December of a Calgary family who, brought, who bought a beautiful, brand new duplex. It, it was, they were the first owners. It was built to spec. They purchased this home. And it was really very impressive, very modern looking, you know, uh, lots of those square block type. Actually, it looked something like this, as a matter of fact. And uh, they, they bought this house. They moved in. But they noticed something, that after a few rainstorms, water was coming in through their basement windows. And on, on further uh, investigation, they actually found out that the water was seeping through their basement walls. Well, they were very concerned, as would you be, as would I be. And so an engineering firm was brought in to inspect, and here's what they discovered. They discovered that the foundation had not been built to official Alberta building code, and it was faulty. It was defective. You know what the cost of the repair was? A half a million dollars. Might as well tear it down and build it again, right? Well, maybe not in Calgary, but uh, half a million dollars to fix their house. So the foundation is pretty important, right? We've got to build our lives on the right foundation as well. I, I believe that no matter how strong we think our lives might be, no matter how right and moral we are, how generous we are, how kind and considerate we are, if we're not building on the right foundation of, of Jesus and His words to us, His teaching, then, then we're building on shaky ground. We're building on sand. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, he said, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And so, uh, you know, my hope, my prayer is that we're, we're building our lives on the foundation, the solid foundation of Christ. Psalm 38 and 11 says, The plans of the Lord stand firm forever. God's plans stand firm forever. And the purposes of His heart through all generations. And so we, we begin with the right blueprint, with the right plan. We build on, on the right foundation. And then thirdly, uh, we need to consult the right experts. We need to consult the right experts. Have you ever watched Mike Holmes on TV? Anybody ever see that guy? Holmes on Holmes, or uh, what's the other show that he does now? Holmes makes it right, I think it's called. Actually, you probably didn't know this, but Mike Holmes and I, we're actually very, very close personal friends. Did you know that? No, it's, it really is It's quite something. Um, well, maybe not so much a friend per se, but, but I've met him kind of, sort of. I guess you'd call him more of an acquaintance, really. Well, here's how it happened. We, I was at the airport one day, and he was like two people ahead of me in the Starbucks line, and we totally made eye contact. Totally. Wow. See? Okay. All right. I digress. But, but if you've seen any of Mike Holmes' shows, uh, you'll understand why it's important to get the right experts involved in your renovation or your building project, right? I mean, I've never actually watched one of those shows. I've never seen him go into a house where, where he didn't find anything wrong. Now, I'm sure that's probably part of the editing and the selection process. All the good houses he finds don't get on TV. But uh, it's, it's really, you know, I don't know. Have you, you seen some of these? He goes in and there's like 
everything is wrong with this house. The foundation's falling in and the plumbing's bad and there's, I don't know, there's mold. And it's like, oh, the agony, you know, it's like, it's awful. And people are crying. And, uh, but that's why it's so critical to start with and consult the right experts. Your neighbor's cousin's sister-in-law's brother might not always be the best choice for your contracting needs. I'm just saying. Uh, you need someone who knows what they're doing and who will give you good, solid counsel. Because even with the very best plans in place, you still might find that that's not enough. Proverbs 15 and 22 says this, plans fail. Why do they fail? Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, take note, it's not just about the number of advisors. It's not about quantity only. It's about the right advisors. And in matters of spiritual life, when it comes to renovating your, your inner man or your inner woman, uh, you need to consult the right experts, or in this case, the right people with the right gifts. God has given gifts to the church. Did you know that? He's given gifts to the church. The Bible tells us that in the form of believers who exercise certain spiritual gifts. Some have official roles as pastors and teachers, but others serve in in other full-time vocations but are still gifted to operate as, as equippers and people who help to build others up in the body of Christ. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 tells us this, that these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. And so that's why I came here this morning to tell you that I am God's gift to you. Okay, that's a bit much. But seriously, uh, your pastors are here for you. Pastor Rick and Pastor Heather, they're here for you. Well, maybe not like right now, today, but you know, they are here for you. Normally, really, they are. Uh, we want you to know. We want you to know that, you know, the teaching that we do every week is meant to pass on information that will help you, you know, in your journey, that will help you have principles that you can apply to your lives. And we also want to ensure that you know that if you have a need, a need to talk to, talk to someone, or perhaps you need even more serious counsel or help, we're here for you and we want to help. And it's, if it's over our heads, then we'll point you in the right direction. We'll help to refer you to someone who can help you. We have access to Christian counselors and advisors, and we want you to be able to access those kinds of experts as well, experts in your, in your spiritual growth and development. We're one body, but we have many parts, the Bible tells us, and so we're here to help one another. Like iron sharpens iron, we're all in this together. And please understand, it doesn't always have to be the pastor who helps you. Others in the body have spiritual gifts. You have uh, one of our elders uh, attends this campus. And so Karina is, is your representative on our elder board. And she is somebody that you can go to and talk to. So there's all kinds of ways that you can consult, uh, you know, the right people when it comes to this renovation, this idea of renovating your life. We need to, so we begin with the right blueprint. We build on the right foundation. We consult the right experts. And then the last of the the four things I want to just share with you today is that we have to source the right materials. We have to source the right materials. If we want something to last and something to look nice, uh, we don't build with the cheapest materials we can find, do we? 
I mean, we, we shouldn't do that. We, we obviously, we, we figure out what the best quality materials are, and then we set out to find out where we can get those the cheapest, right? It's not, it's not that you can't save a few dollars, but don't work with the cheapest materials. It seems important that we would buy quality materials, that we would go the extra mile to make sure everything matches and everything looks nice and is going to stand up to some, some wear and tear. You know, you don't, if you're going to paint your basement, you don't go to uh, Benjamin Moore and go to that wall where they have all the, you know, all the stuff that people ordered and never picked up. Because if you did that, you'd end up painting your basement about four different colors and they'd be, you know, it would look weird. So we, we want to source the right materials. We want to build our lives this way as well. One of the principles for a successful internal renovation is that we source the right materials. And folks, can I tell you, there are all kinds of materials available to us out there these days that feed our minds and feed our spirits. And they're not all great materials, okay? I mean, we are part of an instantaneous media generation. It used to be that, you know, if you wanted to spend time watching TV, you had to go sit down in your family room or in your, in your living room and actually sit in front of the television and watch it. We don't need to do that anymore. Now, it doesn't matter where we go. As long as we have a Wi-Fi signal, we can access Netflix. We can access uh, YouTube. We can access broadcast television, all right on our, our smartphones. And so there's, there's this unbelievable amount of material that we can source in terms of of feeding our our spirits and our minds. And if you have a question about something, you know, all you you have to do is type it into Google and there'll be more stuff for you to read and watch than than you have time to watch or read. And so we we need to understand that those materials aren't always the best materials. They're not always the right materials. Much of what you can watch and find on the internet could certainly be considered a waste of time. I'm not saying all of it, but a lot of it. And you can find good information on there too, don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. The right materials for our life renovation, for your life renovation, are the ones that will ground you in truth and that will connect you with good people. The early, a great, a great life is one that includes those things. The early church figured this out. They understood this. Of, of course, being mainly Jewish people, in, you know, from the beginning, they already had a good sense of grounding. Sabbath in their religion included not only worship and, and gathering together at the synagogue, but it also included rest with time and family every, every seventh day. Their value system was a great foundation for them to build on. And when the early church was beginning to grow after the day of Pentecost, we read this about them. And remember, most of them were, most of them were, were Jewish people in the beginning. It says in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four critical things that Luke talks about there as he reports on this new growing group of Christ followers that was emerging. He says that they devoted themselves to first the apostles' teaching. And um, I've just highlighted these four things. You may want to scratch a few notes in your notes about this. The apostles' teaching, they hung on every word that the apostles were telling them about Jesus and about God, His Father. They knew. They knew these men had been with Jesus. They knew that, that 
that he had taught them things. They had learned from him, seen him do miracles, watched him die, and then seen him alive after his resurrection. No wonder they were devoted to hanging on their every word. For you and me in our context today, this is God's word that we're talking about, the apostles' teaching. We have the benefit not only of having it, but we have all of the Old Testament law. We have the prophets as well as the gospels. We've got the story of Jesus' life and ministry in the gospels, along with all of the writings of the apostles. And we can read them any time we want. As a matter of fact, with version now and the Bible app, we have numerous translations even at our fingertips at all times. Sourcing the right materials means reading God's Word regularly. We encourage you to do that. Uh, this, is, this is what it means to, to be devoted to the apostles' teaching as it's, as it's written in Acts 2.42. And so we encourage you, use, use the Life Journal reading plan if you don't have a plan that you're using. And it's, it's a place where you can, as a matter of fact, it's available on the Uversion app. You can select that as your reading plan. It will track it for you. It will tell you if uh, you can turn the notifications off, by the way, so that if you miss a day, you're not getting hounded by emails. Have anybody experienced that? Sure you did. Don't worry about that. If you miss a day, just go to the next one. But listen, have a plan to, to read God's Word every day. And we, we talk to you about, about the journaling process as well, using those four uh, letters that spell the word SOAP, Scripture. So, so when you're reading your Scripture, there's, there's going to be something that jumps off the page at you. Write that Scripture down. And then make an observation about it. Journal something about what, what, what the Scripture's saying to you. Then, then an application. How, how am I going to do something different? How am I going to live differently because of you know, what I've read today, because of what God is speaking to my heart today? And then the last one is P for prayer. Uh, you know, write down a little prayer. God, you know, thank you. Thank you that you're teaching me today out of 1 Peter chapter 1 that I need to constantly be adding to my faith. Help me to always seek more knowledge. Help me to have more goodness in my life. What, whatever it is God's speaking to you, uh, write down just a little prayer about that. And that's a great way to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. Uh, fellowship was the second one that, that the verse talked about. This group of new Christ followers, they got together all the time. It says daily they met together. The book of Acts tells us. And so now we think about that in our context today. That's not really all that realistic. We can't all get together every day, all right? I, you don't have time to get together with me every day. And honestly, I probably don't have time to do that either. So, so we understand that things are different today, but, but we should try and get together with other Christians, with other believers as often as we can. Did you know that who you hang around with has a significant impact on who you are, or at least who you are becoming? Are you aware of that? Uh, there is a, a guy, a uh, self-help guru. He's a, he's a motivational speaker. Jim Rohn is his name. And he says this. He says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I'm not sure that Jim is right about everything, but I think he's onto something here. Getting together with other Christians regularly helps us to be encouraged and sharpened by people who believe the same way that we do and people who have the same basic set of values as we do. It's why we encourage you to be in a growth group so that you can you know, get to know other Christ followers, so that you can share and do life with them because we are the average of the five people we spend the most time with. 
It's why we come here together on a Sunday every week. It's a critical principle of self-renovation. Hang out with good people as often as you can. The Bible says, the Bible actually tells us that, that bad, uh, bad morals, are, they corrupt good character. Bad company corrupts good character. And so we, we need to be careful who we're spending all of our time with. Hebrews 10, uh, 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Oh, and one more thing about this. This has very little to do with how many friends you have on Facebook or how many people follow you on Twitter, okay? Don't, uh, don't mistake technical connection on social media for actual relational connection, all right? I know that's a big part of, of today, and it's a great way, you know, I'm not dissing it. It's a great way to stay up to date with what's happening in people's lives and family and all that kind of stuff. Some of the stuff you don't really want to know always, but it, it is a good way to do that. However, it's not relationship. You know this, right? It's not relationship. So uh, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to fellowship. It says they were devoted to the breaking of bread is the next one. They ate together. They shared food together. And I just, I got to tell you, there is, there is a connection or a bond that forms when you eat with someone, when you share a meal with someone that is mysterious, and I can't explain it to you, but it is a deeper connection than happens with almost any other kind of interaction when you, when you sit around a table and you break bread together. No wonder Jesus chose a meal for us to remember him by, to remember his, his death. No wonder he chose a meal. The significance of, of interacting around food and drink increases exponentially when we share together in communion or in the Lord's Supper. The bread and the cup, they signify his broken body and his shed blood. And the breaking of bread is definitely one of the right materials when it comes to this internal renovation of our lives. And so the they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread. And the last one is prayer. This group of new Christ followers, they also prayed together. They prayed for one another. They devoted themselves, it says, to prayer. Prayer is the way that we talk to God, that we connect with God. And so along with reading His Word, it's how we hear God's voice and how we are able to also voice our thoughts and our concerns and struggles to Him. It's how we, it's how we confess our sins and our fears and our shortcomings. It's also one of the ways that we hold one another up, that we remember one another. It's the way we carry each other's burdens and become a voice on someone else's behalf. Prayer is one of those key ways that we can renovate our internal lives and that will draw us not only closer to God, but also deeper in connection and relationship with each other. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you will commit to praying for someone every day, it will dynamically impact your relationship with that person. Sometimes even if it's a person that you don't like very much, if you'll agree to pray for them every day, you'll be amazed at how your feelings begin to change toward that person as well. So prayer is, is one of those critical things. And so as we, as we sort of bring all this to a, to a close today, I want to take a moment to pray for all of you right now, to ask God to, to renovate our hearts and to help us to do some introspective assessment this morning. How, how are we doing with our own 
you know, life renovation? What are some of the areas that we've talked about today where maybe we need to, to make some changes? We need to, you know, freshen up or maybe tear down and rebuild or renovate. I, I want to pray in a moment, but before I do, I want to also, you know, ask a question. You may be here today. You've never said yes to Jesus. You've never uh, opened up your heart to the possibility of what God can do in your life, of what Jesus can do in your life. Maybe you've never even begun to consider God's blueprint for, for uh, what your trajectory will be. And you're not building on, on the foundation of Christ. Today, I think, can be your opportunity. And I want you to just, you know, if you're here today and that's you, I want you to think about that as we, as we close in a time of prayer today. Will you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful today for, uh, God, your grace, for your goodness in our lives. And we thank you today that uh, we have available to us, Lord, all of these things that we've been talking about today, that we have your word, that, God, we can pray, that, Lord, we can look to you in moments when uh, life is a struggle, in moments when we face difficult things and challenges. And so, Father, I pray for all of us in the room today because, God, I don't presume, Lord, when we come here on a Sunday that every single one of us has it all together, that, God, we're, we're not, uh, Lord, struggling in some area, that maybe, uh, God, we're not, we're not challenged in our faith because of hardship that's coming our way. And, Lord, you want us to trust you. You want us to completely put our hope and our faith and our trust in you because you're a good, good Father. And, Lord, you're, you're one who loves us. We are loved by you today. So I pray for every person. Lord, as we just look internal, as we are introspective today in our own lives to think about maybe what are some areas that I need to renovate. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would just speak to hearts and lives that are in the room this morning. That God, you would help us. You would help us to take some of these very practical things that we've talked about today. And God, just map out our lives based based on this very simple plan and these fundamental principles. So God, thank you. We pray for every person, Lord, who is is listening today. And we ask and believe that you will speak into our hearts and into our lives by the power of your spirit. And then just with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just take a second because I never know who's in the room. But if you're not, if you're here today, you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never committed your life to Christ. Maybe today's your opportunity. Maybe today's your day. And so I want to give you that opportunity to just pray a simple prayer and invite Jesus to be the the leader, the Lord of your life. You need to know that he loves you, that he died for you, and that he wants, he wants to have a relationship with you. And if that's something that you're interested in today, I'm just going to invite you to slip your hand up really quickly. Nobody's looking around. I just want to take a second. You say, you know what, Pastor Jeff, that's me. Today's my day to say yes to Jesus. Just wait for a moment. There may not be anyone here this morning, but I always want to always take the opportunity. Jesus, thank you for your presence in the room today. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word that challenges our hearts. And now, Father, as we just uh, spend a little bit of time, God, just worshiping you, being reminded, God, about who you are and who we are in your eyes. God, we pray that you would just renovate our hearts as we, as we connect with you in worship. And Lord, we ask that you'd be with us in a very special way. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people, and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We need to keep Jesus at the, at the very, you know, he's the, he's the element of the foundation that, that holds it all together, the chief cornerstone. And so one of the ways that, you know, God works in our hearts is when we worship him, when we focus our attention on him. And so we're going to take just a moment before we come to the last part of our service this morning. We're going to take a moment and just focus on God.